October 8th, 1982, Cats opens on Broadway and runs for nearly 18 years before closing on September 10th, 2000. The day after Cats closes, Andrew Lloyd Webber curses New York to regret the decision in exactly one year's time. Scary monster. Welcome to the Revisionists. We got fun and games. It's I'm Brian Flynn. What are you doing? With the <laughs> I don't intro? know. I don't I'm know. I'm Zach Powers. I was going for Halloween themed. Oh, that's well, I what came out. I mean, it was Welcome to the Jungle, <laughs> which is not. <laughs> Fuck me. All right. <laughs> and welcome back to the show. Uh, our very good friend, the wonderful Brett Galley, everyone. Hello. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course. Thank you for being here. Um, also, I guess since we're moving along, we're just going to go with whatever bullshit that was that mm-hmm. came out of my mouth. Um, yeah, listeners, happy Halloween. It's October. Spooky season is here which means it's uh, probably our favorite time of year um, on the show because election season. Yep. Yes. The (laughs) midterms are coming up. And so we're here to talk to you about your local school board races. (laughs) Are there candidates in your area who seem totally batshit crazy? Because maybe that's a bad thing. There's a lot going on in Colorado right now. The candidate for governor is going on TV and keeps repeating that, like, schools are being required to keep litter boxes in classrooms for students who, quote, like, identify as cats, which is, A, not true, B, just wildly transphobic, and C, just so far out of pocket that I don't even know what to do with it. And clarification, if you're batshit crazy candidate, say like David Lynch, go for it. You can vote for David Lynch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't tell the school when it's Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, All the movies people watch like in class when there's a substitute would be like Mulholland Drive, which would be actually much better than the ones we got which included meet the pa- meet the fuckers actually what the what? sequel what? to meet the parents we watched like october sky and stuff we, saw, oh, we, watched, we watched that stuff too. that was like tangentially related to the topic that at hand i don't know what class meet the fuckers uh is related to oh um, uh world history oh, okay <laughs> that was where we literally watched that that I was mean, all the meet the parents franchise is a thing that happened in history you can't <laughs> deny it. that was the same class where we watched um uh the prince of egypt yeah. um and the teacher um when she ejected the cassette tape because that's how long ago this was uh just announced to the class well that's the story of moses according to the jews and like did that was the entire lesson maybe you could watch a meet the fuckers in philosophy and then afterwards you can discuss the important question of if greg could indeed milk robert de niro 
something philosophers have pondered. Would it make a sound? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, in and listeners, if you're anything like me, you're imagining the sounds Oscar-winning actor Robert De Niro would make when he was being milked by Ben Stiller. So, happy Halloween, I guess. If you're new to the show, this is a comedy history podcast. Um, and don't, uh, it's not particularly high in either of those two things, but nominally that's what it is. Basically, the premise here is we're going to talk about a person or event from history. In this case, it's going to be something spooky, scary, uh, uh, altogether terrifying and kooky, ooky. Um, and then uh, one person will give a true or uh, as true as we can get based on historical evidence and Wikipedia account <laughs> of what, uh, what the story was with that person or event, or in this case, people. Um, and uh, another person will give an alternate version of that story, uh, which could be whatever they feel like it is they want it to be. Uh, um, in this case, maybe it'll be something horrifying. And then <laughs> we'll uh, go ahead and, uh, you know, determine which is the true story going forward. Like the Blair Witch, is it real? It's up to you to decide Halloween. <laughs> uh, last time we talked about uh, anti-fascists. Uh, yes. I don't remember specifically who last time. Um, uh, Frank Emmy was the last Frank one. Emmy, yes. Did we get uh, a result on that, Brian? The, the true history. The, the true, true history, history one. one. I think in all uh, of the anti-fascist his episodes, maybe the true history one. Yep. Um, funny how that worked out. Yeah, no one wanted to say Raoul Wallenberg Chase, like to chase the road runner or something um uh anyway um this time we're talking about spooky stuff we're talking about none other than burke and Hare, that famous corpse snatching duo uh and corpse making uh of, of english english nursery rhyme uh and uh, yeah, I think Brian uh, is going to be telling us the true story of Burke and Hare. Yes, indeed. And uh, if you're mm. quite ready, Brian, I guess we might as well get on to the main event. All right. Yes. Uh, before I dive in, I want to say my sources for this are uh, Historic UK, Edinburgh University, and yeah, Wikipedia, because um, you just don't always get that flavor other places. Um it's like adding bay leaf to to a soup. Um, but yes, Birkenhair, uh, welcome to the UK in the 1920s, um, which is, you know, Napoleon is dead. Uh, the sky is full of soot. There's eel pie for everyone. But it's also an era of like broad conservative reaction following the revol- revolutionary period at the end of the previous century. And uh, that reaction is like cultural, social, political, and uh, religious. This is happening on the sort of the tail end of the second great awakening in the U.S. And that conservative reaction is butting up against the post-enlightenment scientific culture. And one of the things you need to know about scientists uh, is that they cut up bodies. Doctors and physiologists and anatomists, not not like... 
not like most scientists actually so not like astronomers botanists. yeah botanists yeah. <laughs> they don't um unless they're working with audrey too am i uh <laughs> She eats uh, people. <laughs> but yeah, doctors and anatomists, physiologists, they just, they get up in there for science. Get up in them guts. Yeah, <laughs> that's where the phrase originally came from. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but um, religious superstition, cultural taboos made it sort of exceedingly rare and frowned upon for people to just like, Okay. Donate their body to science like you would today. Hold up, Brad. Are you silent? Are you? Can you say something? I'm not sure we can hear you. Hello. Oh, oh there, there go. you go. I thought you were. I thought you were saying something. We couldn't hear you, but we can hear you. Okay. Sorry about Perfect. that. No, no you're, you're good. good. <laughs> in fact, the law in the UK at the time was that doctors and universities could only conduct autopsies and dissections on the corpses of criminals who had been sentenced to death. Which for a while was fine because you could get got for like a number of crimes uh, because the state does violence on its subjects. You could also use the bodies of people who died in prison, died by suicide, or were just, uh, and I'm just quoting here, orphans and foundlings. Um, Yeah, which is, yep, you know. Foundling. Yeah, that, that Western culture that's so... Great, I guess. It is our heritage. But then uh, in 1823, Parliament passes a law which greatly reduces the number of crimes which carry a possible death sentence in the UK um, down to like murder, treason, other like UK eating beans like a normal goddamn person. Um, Yeah. Yeah, disrespecting Paddington. (laughs) <laughs> missing doctor who yeah <laughs> saying it's not that sad that a 96 year old rich woman died yeah like yeah. Mm-hmm. um don't get like don't get it twisted this is a very good law <laughs> but it did have a side effect uh which it basically cock science i don't i'm so sorry i said that like basically by limiting the number of people being executed for bullshit, it meant also that anatomists and doctors had fewer bodies to dissect and learn about, which brings us to the city of Edinburgh, Scotland in 1827. Uh, William Burke and William Hare were two Irishmen who moved to Edinburgh to work on the Union Canal, uh, where they eventually met and became friends uh, Will Burke, and Will. No one ever calls them just Will and Will. The two Burke Wills. Yeah. Go, well, because the, the two yeah. Wills sounds like a like a kind of like a fun stage play that maybe like mm-hmm. Moss and Hart wrote, whereas Burke and Hare sounds like they s- killed people and sold their bodies to university professors. <laughs> um, maybe that's confirmation bias on my part. But they became friends and uh, Burke actually moved into a lodging um, in the Westport neighborhood on the same street as Hare. Burke brought Helen McDougal uh, to live with him, who was not Burke's wife. Uh, He had left his wife and children back in Ireland. And uh, Hare ran a boarding house on that street with his common law wife, Margaret Laird. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, one of Hare and Laird's lodgers uh, was an elderly man who went by the name Old Donald. Oh. <laughs> I don't I don't think I don't know if she knew they called him that. <laughs> I assume I would, his name was just Donald. I, I would be fine being called Old Donald. <laughs> yeah. You, OK. Old Donald Powers. It's got a good ring. I think Old Donald. I mean, I like well, it. Once once a certain former president dies, yeah, then I think that will also once that name will be more up for grabs. That former president, of course, Jimmy Carter. No. Um, one morning, <laughs> um, Heron Laird discovered that old Donald had died in his sleep. And what really got Hare mad, uh, which this will come up a lot. He seems yeah. to have had a bit of an anger issue. He had a hair trigger. Is yeah. that what you're... He had a wild hair up his ass. Yep. <laughs> Was that old Donald still owed four pounds for his rent. But Burke and Hare had an idea to recoup their losses. Edinburgh and Edinburgh University in particular was like anatomy central, um, which which makes it sound like kind of like an 80s university like comedy mm-hmm, yeah. movie um and it became like sort of fairly well known um about town that hey if you maybe took a corpse from its grave uh one of the professors at the university would buy it no questions asked with like the unspoken implication being like as long as you don't murder the person yourself because that would be bad um and so there were actually a lot of what were called resurrection men or resurrectionists um, who robbed That's graves. A working title for uh, this show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is actually our spinoff show where we channel the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but like it, the problem got so bad that family members often resorted to like standing guard over fresh graves for like weeks until basically their loved ones were too decomposed to dig up. Um, They built like elaborate cages over graves to protect the dead. And um, they even put like watchtowers in cemeteries. Uh, So pretty soon the cemeteries are like sort of becoming fortresses in a way, Um, (laughs) which is kind of weird. Um. It, it was a crime to disturb a grave and it was a crime to steal the possessions of someone who was dead, but it wasn't explicitly a crime to steal a body and sell it. So like in theory, if you came across like an open grave and took the body and left all the body stuff behind, like you're legally golden. Like, so the old Donald thing was all above board. Yeah, it it was. Um, I mean, there may have been a law about like reporting deaths or something, but it was also the 1820s, so maybe not. Um, so Burke and Hare, they uh, went and filled old Donald's casket with a bunch of tree bark to weigh it down. And they took his body in a tea chest to Professor Robert Knox, uh, one of the leading anatomy experts in the city um, or in the world, really, at that point. Uh, there are a lot of people who've said, like, in retrospect, like, 
without Knox, we would have been like decades behind in our knowledge of the human body. Um, and so Knox paid Birkenhair seven pounds, 10 shillings for the body of old Donald, um, which was much less than he would pay them later on. So you got to think they like he knocked down the price because he was old. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but oh, Donald, no respect, even in death, the original Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> I tell you, uh, that's not, I'm not going to do a Rodney Dangerfield impression. That's not, I'm not going to. Culturally insensitive. Yeah. 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 Just, to the Dangerfield people. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I tell uh-huh. you, our, our race gets no respect. <laughs> I mean, he was the Jewish, Jewish, right? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Oh, yeah, Rodney Dangerfield. I forget what his actual last name is. Yeah, but okay. he's, he's Jewish. His um, first name isn't Rodney either, if you can believe that. <laughs> if you can believe that. It's, I mean, not, it's, it's not his real first name. It's no. not that late. It's not what I believe. <laughs> so, um, Rodney's believe it or not. His name was Jacob Cohen. Oh, uh, okay. His middle name was Rodney. Oh, there you go. Okay. There we go. But, you know, seven pounds, 10 shillings, cash money, baby. Um and uh, as Burke and Hare are leaving, one of Knox's assistants told them that the anatomist, quote, would be glad to see them again when they had another to dispose of. You know, um, it's in, in Victorian England, in yeah. Edinburgh, Scotland, I guess. It's just, you know, bodies turn up like pennies. Yeah. <laughs> the air is probably like solid with all the smoke in it. So it's not that healthy of a place to live. Mm. Um, I also got to think that given like everything that followed, that guy was probably like, I could have rephrased that. Yeah. That. Why didn't, why didn't this doctor just go to families and be like, Hey, if you have a loved one, that's going to pass away, I'll give you money. If you donate the body to me. Yeah. Inst- I mean, instead of just like, Hey, let's just rummage graveyards. I think yeah. just Real creates this weird, chaser. Yeah. this weird culture <laughs> where people are digging up bodies. He didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got to think. I kind of think it's probably like, I'm a busy, I'm a busy anatomy professor. I don't have time to put up some flyers to, at least. Yeah, exactly. Got a loved one you don't need anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that honestly probably would have been worse because people would have just been killing their family members yeah. willy, oh, willy nilly for that money back. One thousand percent. Yeah. And probably now if someone did that. <laughs> well, also, it, it's not like you can really put up an ad like that anymore. It's not like, oh, That's we true. buy junk. We buy junk yeah. husbands. Like, yeah. Cash for bodies. <laughs> um, so there's no like definitive timeline as to 1-800-CASH-FOR-CORPSE. <laughs> 1-800-CASH-FOR-CORPSE. <laughs> Um, perfect. Um, so the most commonly repeated story is that soon after another one of Hare's lodgers, uh, likely a miller named Joseph, fell seriously ill. Uh, not sure with what middle-aged um, Joseph. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but like Burke and Hare start fucking getting real excited because they're like, oh, hey, more money. Um, there's also some theorizing that 
Heron Laird were worried that a sick lodger would make their murder house look bad. Like if people saw <laughs> it a wasn't sick- a murder house yet. It wasn't a murder house yet. That's true. Um, but just like the idea that like, oh, no, a sick person stayed here once. Like that means our business in this kind of shitty part of Edinburgh is going to go down the tube seems absolutely wild to me. Because like, I don't know, I would stay at a La Quinta. I know someone got murdered in like that. Just saying. Yeah, of course. Um, sure. People get murdered to. People have died everywhere, folks. <laughs> I, I live in an apartment that was built in the late 1800s. I'm sure someone's died in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be weirder if they hadn't, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, like, our house was built in the 80s, so maybe not. But also, like, it's not outside the realm of the possibilities. Um, but Burke and Hare... They kept watching this guy to die, uh, like a couple vultures. Um, but they were annoyed because he was like taking forever. Um, so they just like, well, let's start murdering people. Um, they get Joseph just absolutely just housed on whiskey, um, to make sure he was compliant. And uh, one of them restrained him while the other one suffocated him by holding his nose and mouth shut. Um, and to show like that this wasn't just like spur of the moment thing, they like did this intentionally because they didn't want to leave like physical evidence of murder that like Dr. Knox would be like, mm, hey, guys, can I talk to you about this? Um Sorry, that that was that was not Scottish at all. Um, yeah. But it was something? No, I think that was pretty right. Scotland, <laughs> right? Yeah, of course. Um, this hmm, guys, should we vote for our independence? <laughs> uh, yes, you should, Scotland. If you're listening, you don't need England. Um. <laughs> um this and excuse me this uh drinking restraint suffocation method uh would later become known as burking um which <laughs> sounds very much like something a frat would do um but so after making like a pretty tidy profit on joseph um like knox bought his body for 10 pounds i believe um they Burke and Hare ran into another problem, which was that all the lodgers' hair was getting were annoyingly healthy. Um, <clears throat> so they begin luring people to stay at the lodging house from the mainly from the surrounding slums and like poor people, uh, people who don't have homes, um, foundlings, foundlings. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, the just the disgusting children no uh there's no there's well there's one teenager who's killed in the story um but their reasoning was that like you know a missing the missing destitute were less likely to arouse suspicion Uh, something that is held true to this day yep to this day um (laughs) cops have always been cops 
Um, so the next victims were, and again, this is in uncertain order, um, Abigail Simpson, an elderly salt seller, um, an unidentified and an unidentified male lodger from Cheshire. And Knox paid 10 pounds for each body. Um, and then in early April, 1827, um, Burke met a pair of local women, um, Mary Patterson and Janet Brown, and took them out for a, bre- a quote, breakfast of whiskey, um, <laughs> which Scotland, you got to love it, um, before bringing them back to the house around noon where they kept drinking whiskey for lunch, um, which I think is keto. I'm not sure. Um, but Patterson uh, passed out at the table and Burke moved her to an empty room. And he was still drinking with Lucy Brown when McDougal, the woman Burke was cheating on his wife with, walked in. And she got mad at him because she thought he was cheating on her uh, because he is, after all, the type. Um, And Brown leaves saying she didn't know Burke was married. And that decision definitely saved her life. Um, Basically, eventually, after they fight, McDougal goes and rounds up Hare and Laird um, and Burke and Hare... Um, lock the women out of Patterson's room and murder her. Um, so one of Knox's assistants asks where they got the body when they bring in Patterson's body, um, which is apparently still warm when they bring her in. Um, and like, cause Knox's assistants thinks he recognizes her. Um, because all these people live in the same city. Um, Asking where they got the body simply wasn't done. Yeah, yeah. It, it was highly uncouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and Burke and Hare's excuse is that, oh, they just bought it from a woman on the street. <laughs> Which fucking, it seems wild a now. A body monger. Yeah, you know, you could go down and get, you know, a caricature of yourself riding a dune buggy and then buy a corpse. Um, so, uh, and Knox is apparently delighted by the freshness and pays eight pounds for the body and, uh, stores it in whiskey for three months before dissecting her. What the fuck? Yeah. Um, was that common practice? It seems like it, uh, it seems like they're, I mean, a also, Eventually, it gets to the point, um, and this will come up in a little bit also, where there's a whole, like, queue of bodies to be dissected by Knox, and so mm-hmm. he has them in order. So I think some of the some of that is probably for preservation. Yeah. To, like, because, like, if you're doing this in class, it'll probably be over the course of several days. Yeah. Um, so, and part of it is probably... It's Edinburgh in the 1820s. The only storage they have is a bunch of whiskey um, or a sheep's right. stomach that's been boiled. Look, I'm Irish. I get to make fun of the Scottish. Yeah. Um, so Lucy Brown later 
like goes looking for her friend, uh, but is told that her friend uh, ran off to Glasgow with a traveling uh, salesman. Um, so, uh, sorry. The next victims are an older woman uh, named Mrs. Haldane. And a few months later, um, her daughter, who just, it seems like by coincidence, uh, her daughter may also have been looking for her and been like, oh yeah, we saw her staying at the boarding house down the street, uh, which is not the last time that happens in the story. Um, another unidentified elderly woman and then a um, a woman named Effie um, who was, I saw her profession listed as a cinder gatherer, which seems like the most early 19th century England job you could have. It's like a Dark Souls protagonist. Yeah, it, it literally, it literally is. Um, Ring the bells, cinder gatherer. <laughs> to awaken the old lords. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, listeners, this show is brought to you by From Software. Um, anyway, um, there's the cinder gatherer, Effie. <clears throat> She was very, like, very intoxicated to the point where she was not, like, able to stand up. And she was being helped home by a cop. And um, Burke stopped the cop and said he knew Effie and would take her home himself. Um, And so he took her to the lodging house and she was murdered in the same manner. Um, And then um, what Burke the next victims were what Burke describes as, quote, an old woman and a dumb boy, her grandson, dumb meaning um, unable to speak in this context. Uh, Burke later said that this was the murder that really bothered him uh, because fuck you. Um, I guess because like the grandson was still a teenager. Um, Hare's horse um, which is like they would put the bodies in a tea chest and take it to Knox. That's how they transported them. Uh, but the load of two bodies is too much for Hare's horse. So like they end up hiring like just like a dude to help them carry the cart down to Edinburgh University. Um, and Hare is so mad when they get back that he just shoots his horse. Um, Jesus. Yeah. Again, anger issues for Hare. Um also, he's That's a the murderer. part that made uh, Brad go over the edge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so next comes a uh, washerwoman named Mrs. Hostler, who came to the lodging house to do the laundry regularly. Um, and later on, again, a couple months after her death, her daughter is looking for her happens to come across the boarding house and she too is murdered. Um, it's also about this time that, and this was given no further explanation that I could find, um, but Margaret Laird suggests that they kill Helen McDougal, claiming that they couldn't trust her because she was Scottish, which I don't know that that's a stereotype. <laughs> I've ever heard. Um, nothing ever came of that, but I there was nothing about that in the film Brave that 
makes me <laughs> <laughs> that gives me any insight into that at all. Um, so somewhere in here, um, Burke and McDougal go on like a brief vacation. Um, and like they come back and like Burke and Hare have like their Shrek donkey fight where they split up a little bit, but you know, they're getting back together. Mm -hmm. Um, because like they get back and Hare is wearing like much nicer clothes than he used to. And Burke is like, were you selling bodies while I was gone? And Hare was like, no, but he was. Um, so <laughs> they fight. They fight to the extent that Burke opens a different lodging house down the street. <laughs> um, but then they like get back together and like, hey, we could use both of these for our murders. Um, That's sweet. Yeah, you know, it's it's a touching story of friendship. They um, reconciled. I love I love the montage scene of them having their own <laughs> murder houses. They're just staring out the windows. Yeah, and mm -hmm. uh, I'm a believer starts playing, but it's a Smash yeah. Mouth version. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they see things that remind them of their old murders and are like, <laughs> where'd the good times go? <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway. Like they um, see a sign missing, missing person, old Donald. <laughs> yeah, back before, yeah, back before the money and the fame ruined them. Um, so the next victim was a well-known beggar in Edinburgh named uh, James Wilson, who he had some disabilities that were like, that made him pretty recognizable, um, especially like in his feet. Um and so they lured him in and, you know, went through the routine. They gave him whiskey, but um, Wilson did not like drinking all that much. Uh, he was more into like taking snuff, which is listeners. If you don't know, it's just like snorting tobacco. Yeah. Um, it's absolutely wild. I've done like it was like virgin snuff. Basically, I think it was just cinnamon at that point. I don't know. It may have been a weird like. Denver version of the cinnamon challenge now that I think of it anyway um so still like so he's not getting as drunk as they usually get people um so he actually is fighting back much harder than usual um and but still like they manage to kill Wilson and they take his snuff box and his snuff spoon as trophies um, which they don't typically do, um, especially since they're like murder for profit people and not like murder for compulsion people. Um, but Dr. Knox presents the body of James Wilson to his students and a few of them recognized him because he, they just saw him around town. Um, Knox dismissed the claims that the body was the body of anyone they knew. Um, but then word started getting around town that Wilson was missing. And so Knox jumped him ahead in the dissection queue and removed his head and feet before presenting him to the class. Um, so you get the sense that he knew something was up. Um, yeah. So Burke and Hare's final victim was an Irish woman named Margaret Doherty. 
Uh, Burke lured her in by claiming that his mother was a Doherty from the same part of Ireland, um, which is the way to get an Irish person to talk to you at length is just being like, oh, yeah, I have family. Yeah, we're probably we are probably related. Um, uh, Hair, though, had other guests at the time, um, a couple named Anne and James Gray, and they were like they went up to the grays and were like, hey, we found this woman who's a relative. We'll pay you to stay somewhere else for the night so we can have some family time. Yeah, we need to complain about Protestants. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I would I would pay not a lot of money to complain about Protestants, but I'd pay some <laughs> enough to get like a Costco hot dog, maybe. I'm, if you, I would buy you a Costco hot dog if you came up to me and was like, hey, do you want to, Brian, do you want to complain about Lutherans for a while? I'd be like, yeah. relish or no relish. All right. Um, so they pay the Grace to stay elsewhere for the night. The Grace returned at one point for some clothes they had left behind. And they like saw everyone. They were like drunk and dancing. Um, and the next day, the Grays return. And Anne Gray tries to go to the foot of her bed to retrieve some stockings that she had left behind, but Hare would not let her like get close to the bed, like in a way that is like very fucking suspicious. Um, but then later he also just like leaves the Grays alone in the boarding house. Um, so who knows what the hell. Um, so the Greys were like, something's kind of up here. And they search under the bed where they find Margaret Doherty's body stuffed in the straw. Um, so the Greys confront Margaret Laird, uh, who's the first person to return. And Margaret Laird offers to pay them 10 pounds not to tell anyone. Um, but the Greys like report it to the police because it's a whole body. Um <laughs> And Burke, Hare, Laird, and McDougal uh, were all arrested, though not before Burke and Hare were able to uh, sell Doherty's body to Robert Knox. James Gray went and identified Doherty's body in Knox's possession. Um, and Janet Brown identified clothing that belonged to Patterson that I guess Burke and Hare tried to get rid of. But since Burke and Hare sold Doherty's body before they were arrested, there was not that much hard evidence to prosecute everyone. The, I can't remember if it's like solicitor or like barrister, whatever the fucking prosecutor is in the UK, they offer Hare a deal, a uh, total immunity in exchange for his testimony, which he takes. So Knox is arrested. Burke is sentenced to death. Uh, Laird and McDougal's charges are dropped. It seems like it, a. It seems like Burke and Hare did like just enough to like keep uh, Laird and McDougal from being implicated, or it seems maybe Hare just like only put himself or only put Burke in because he already took immunity. So fuck it. Nevertheless, Laird and McDougal go free. Knox is clear on the grounds that he it couldn't be proven that he had knowledge of the murders. Uh, though he's like basically hounded out of town and out of the medical profession. Uh, and he eventually moves to London to try to rebuild his career. So Burke ascends to death and uh, 
he's scheduled to be hung on January 28th, 1829 in Edinburgh town square. And it's a huge event. Uh, about 25,000 people turn out to watch the execution. Jesus. There are like basically like apartment buildings that have like very good views of where mm. he's going to be hung. And like families are like selling tickets basically. Yeah. And concessions. And there's obviously yeah. a corpse buying station. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out that like a week later that uh, fucking Kendrick Lamar is doing a date there. So it's a pretty good. This is the invention of the Pepsi Center, basically. Anyway, so Burke is executed um, and uh, his body is donated to another anatomist at Edinburgh University, uh, where his uh, skeleton is still on display actually, after being dissected, skeleton is on display along with a notebook they made out of his skin. Cool. Yeah. Uh, they showed him. Yeah, which is, I, I, like, I saw some people say it was a notebook. I saw some people say it was an address book. Others that it was, like, a day planner. All, all of this, <laughs> ignoring the fact that it's made out of human skin. <laughs> like it doesn't fucking matter if it's a journal or a diary. It's a it's a dude. It's a dude book. Anyway, after the trial, hair disappears basically. Um he's released from prison and he's sent in disguise to the town of Dumfries, uh where he's recognized and nearly killed by an angry mob uh and the police help him escape. And they escort him down south uh, and they send him over the line into England uh, where history loses track of him. Uh, But that's the actual story of Burke and Hare murderers, which actually I should say one of the um, I didn't end up using it for a source. No, I did. Actually, the historic UK site. (laughs) The heading of the site was Burke and Hare, uh, criminal Irishman, which I thought was kind of fucked, but st- technically accurate. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Jesus. But that's well, the actual you. history of Burke and Hare. But uh, I think Brad has a slightly different account of uh, of these horrendous events. Yeah. Do you want you want the spooky version of the story? Now? <laughs> the guy, the guys who were selling bodies to a professor. They had a Frankenstein and, butler. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, from what I heard, this was all this was all because Burke and Hare were two Irish comedians, and they were in Edinburgh mm. for the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Of course, yeah. As most it doesn't know. get much more fringe than this, baby. Exactly, and they they had been there the year before, and it's 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 a tough residency. You have to be there for a month, and their show in eighteen. They were kind of like an old vaudeville style mm-hmm. act that they had Irish <laughs> vaudeville in there. Their 1827 show, Big Willie style, didn't do as well <laughs> that they wanted it to. So basically, the Burke and Hare murders were a very elaborate bit that just got out of hand. <laughs> they were tired of their old vaudeville act that they had kind of, you know, 
It'll, it'll get gone stale the year before in Edinburgh. So they were going to do more performance art where they said, well, hey, we'll, we'll pretend to be these murderers. And it all, they had, they had people ready to go. It was all going to be staged. It was all going to be fake. And they were going to try to, you know, turn, turn the whole city of Edinburgh into kind of their stage, if you will. But once, you know, the festival started, they found out that you could actually make some, some decent money from actually killing people. And <laughs> the Irish, you know, comedy, it's, they, they were still, they're paying about as well as they were today. Let's be honest. So they said, <laughs> so they said well, let's just. for act. one free drink. Exactly. One, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll pay you an exposure means something totally different when like people are freezing to death in the streets. Exactly. So uh, then they just started doing everything you said they did. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a goof. Yeah, it was just a. It was. It started out as a goof, you know. Yeah, who's on but first? It was. It was a notebook they made out of his skin because he was a comedian. That's why. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's where you get moleskin from. Exactly. Every every moleskin book every new comedian buys is actually it has a little bit of the skin of William Burke in it. It it does. Hair yeah, went exactly. uh, hair went back to doing stand up, and he used that little notebook on stage to be like. <laughs> What else? What else? What else? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. What, what the fuck? And then he got his like real estate license or whatever. <laughs> whatever the end path of stand-up comedy career. And, and Burke got a happy ending too because he got that big final performance with the twenty-five thousand person crowd. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no one could follow him after that. Yeah, no. they, actually, they even had like fucking Chappelle did a drop in after that. And it was just crickets. Of course, he yeah. was high as shit and virulently transphobic. Yep. Um, yeah. So they used that that they hung him and then they used that little old timey hook to pull him. <laughs> <laughs> they were doing gong show. Yeah, they had they had the clown from the he Apollo just ignoring his light. To be fair, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Beautiful. it's like I've got to get off on this, and then they kick out the stool from under him. Um, Jesus, which had a little water bottle on it. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, had, if you've ever another, been to a stand-up comedy show, you know what. He had another stool on top of the one that he was standing on that he was humping. <laughs> 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 you don't really see that that much anymore that was a big thing though for a while comedians that would hump the stool yeah it, it wasn't even related to the jokes they'd just be talking about you know politics no. or something and just exactly. be going hog wild on a three-legged stool yeah exactly. uh, <laughs> and they did that's that you know when they were a comedy duo that's when they went by willie and willie yeah <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Also, I'm just picturing like the executioner, like trying to vamp because he notices they're dropping checks right before he was about to hang Burke. Um, anyway, <laughs> Brad, thank you. No, thank you. I had never heard about this before. That was very. Oh, really? Oh, no, he's very. In... Yeah, I, oh. I did not know about any of that. So it's very it was very informative for me. It's crazy. There's a little poem they have. Yeah, I forgot. I was just looking that up. uh, uh, See if I can. uh, 
find it. Um, Birkin here. Why do you have it on the Daily Coast? I don't know. <laughs> That's um, weird. It goes. Uh, uh, try to imagine in little redheaded girls playing jump rope. Keeping time by Chan, the Scottish ditty. I don't think that's part of it. <laughs> up, up the clothes and down the stair in the house with Burke and Hare. Burke's the butcher, Hare's the thief, knocks the man who buys the beef. Burke and Hare, they were a pair, killed a wife and did not care. They put her in a box and sent her off to Dr. Knox. Burke's the butcher, Hare's the thief, knocks the yin that buys the beef. <laughs> also, Zach, I... I knew when I was researching this that I would, I mean, I was hoping you would break out the Scottish accent because you're the one who's capable of it. <laughs> um, and you did not disappoint. That, that's um, the little poem about uh, Birkin hair. Um, There's a is, movie where Simon Pegg plays one of them. Yeah. Um, really? It's yeah. not very good. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Which is a bummer. Um, Damn it. But yeah, um, I'm trying to remember. Anyway, um, fuck, where the fuck was it? Listeners, before we move on to uh, judgment, uh, I just want to say that, you know, you can always leave us a comment, which is crazy helpful for this podcast in this workaday world. Um, It gets more butts in the seats, uh, written reviews, especially uh, on your podcast service of choice. Uh, just leave five stars and write a nursery rhyme about your favorite murderer. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it's, I don't know, John Wayne Gacy. Maybe it's the CIA. Um, <laughs> maybe because of that uh, exploitative Netflix show, it's Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Now he's hot. Ugh, I hate it. Um, well, I mean, the actor who played Jeffrey Dahmer is attractive. That's that's basically that's what it is. I saw a clip where he's like shirtless and all ripped, and it's like that's not that's not even accurate. Why? <laughs> yeah, you know, well, you gotta get you got you want more people to watch it than just the true crime people. So you got to give Dahmer abs, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, that's <laughs> fucking wild. Yeah, like, I guess uh, uh, unrealistic body standards even apply now to cannibal pedophiles. <laughs> <laughs> That would be funny. Well, I mean, but Zach Efron was Ted Bundy, right? He was. Yeah. yeah. Though a lot right. of people think that Ted Bundy was genuinely considered an attractive dude. And yeah. that's how he lured in a lot of his victims. Which was yeah, never I... the fucking case with Dahmer because he was no, just a, yeah, weird, he was a looking, weird looking weird dude. dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Guys, serial killers aren't sexy. Um, they're, they're murderers. I don't know if you knew that. Dexter, maybe. Yeah, Dexter, um, and of course, the CIA, um, (laughs) which stands for Sexy Intelligence Agency. Um, Anyway, so yes, write a poem about your favorite serial killer. Um, Don't have a favorite serial killer. Um, And you can also uh, write us a letter, ask us a question at revisionistpodcast.com. Just click on the contact button at the top of the page. You can also find us on Instagram, uh, Twitter, though, Elon Musk looks like he's going to buy it again. So who knows? Um, and yeah, you could also, if you're so inclined, uh, pledge as little as a dollar a month on Patreon. Um, 
there are much better causes to give your money to. Uh, so do those first. Uh, and if you still have money left over that you don't need to survive, uh, then give to us. I say we say this like every week and I'm like, why don't we get more pledges? <laughs> I'm constantly like negging us. I don't know. Anyway, um, still it applies. Um, yep. Brad, you have a whole slew of shows coming up. I do. A main thing I want to promote is every Thursday in Denver, Colorado, Katie Bowman and myself run high comedy at Sushi High mm-hmm. on uh, 32nd Avenue. It's every uh, every Thursday at 730 at Sushi High. It's a fun show. Great room. Mm-hmm. It's a great little spot with good sushi. Come check that out. And then the weekend of October 15th and 16th, I'm going to be at the Denver Comedy Lounge. So I'll be Hell yeah. two shows at Friday, three shows at Saturday. So awesome. I'll be there. Go buy tickets to that. Sushi High is like, it's a great show. And it's also like, if you go to a comedy club, don't order sushi for the love of God. Like if you, yeah. if you can't avoid it, you can actually eat good sushi and watch comedy, which is like. Exactly. Um, and there, and there is, you've had Katie on this podcast, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know if she's mentioned this, but there is a a body in the wall in the basement at Sushi High. She has we not mentioned show. that. I would. She loves. She loves that story because apparently that building it used to be a furniture store, uh, like 50, 60 years ago, and the woman that's buried in the wall is the wife of the guy who owned the store. So there's a lot of mystery surrounding what actually happened to her. Like they yeah. don't know if she died of natural. They don't know if she died of natural causes or if she was sick or if he killed his wife. And I mean, I have a hunch if she's buried in the fucking walls. Like- yeah, but, but what's really kind of tra- what tragic is they can't exhume the body because it would ruin the foundation of the Chipotle. That's it's a, it. it's oh a load. It's a load yeah. bearing body. It's a load oh bearing body. God. And you can totally yeah, next time if you're ever down there. Yeah. The, cause we, I mean, we had, uh, I mean, that show's been going there since 2014. It's been ran by different people. Mm-hmm. And I've been down there so many times. But when we took over the show at the beginning of this year, the owner like pointed it out. And you can clearly see where there's like the cutout in the wall. It's very, yeah, it's very creepy. Okay. And, and just to think about how many times. So I don't, I don't know if that's going to deter people from going there. Maybe it'll bring in more people. Yeah. But uh, it'll definitely, I hope that like the next if a comedian ever like bombs there, they're just like, yeah, wasn't me. Yeah. It's just the body in the wall. Exactly. So uh, maybe that's something you guys can look at, do that on the next, the next revision. <laughs> what happened to that woman? Yeah. We'll, we'll do a, we'll do some investigative journalism. Yeah, exactly. We'll, yeah. we'll do a serial <laughs> style deep dive. Exactly. Um, Zach, you co-host the movie trap podcast. Yeah, it's a film podcast. You know, everybody's got to have a fucking film podcast. Um, so basically, uh, the premise is we, my, myself, and my two co-hosts come up with a theme for films. And each of us picks one. And at the end, we pick who got the who chose the best film of the three of us. And that person gets to pick the next theme. More or less, that's the premise this month. As with the revisionists, it's the spooky time seasons. And uh, we're doing uh, our Halloween run and for halloween we always randomly pick one of 20 possible spooky themes 
And this time we rolled uh, the 20-sided dice and got uh, films that take place on or around Halloween itself. So literally Halloween movies. All right. Um, I'm hoping <laughs> Halloween 3 season of The Witch makes it on the... I guess make- time will tell. So far we got Monster House is our first one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, well, listeners, um, that brings us to the judgment phase which falls to Zach this time. Uh, yeah, I think this is uh, one of the ones where uh, the revision mostly just adds a little bit of fun and flavor to this uh, morbid story. There's a little Andy Kaufman dedication to the bit. Um, <laughs> the original Nathan Fielders. Uh the next season of the rehearsal is going to be wild. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. So I think I'm going to go with the uh, the alternate on this. Uh, and also, you know, we haven't been able to pick the alternate recently. Yeah. So let's get back. It's time we get a good alternate pick again. It's, it's yeah, hard to pick the alternate for the anti-fascists who are fighting Nazis and often tragically killed in that process. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> excited to be talking about ghouls and goblins. Uh Listeners, well, uh, voting is now open on Patreon as you're listening to this. And uh, check for results next Wednesday on our Instagram story. Uh, but that will do it for this episode. Brad, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Zach, thank you as always. Yeah. Uh, Boogs. Boo. Oh, yeah. We oh we usually come up with like Halloween. Halloween names. Names, yeah. yeah. Forgot um, to come up with the Halloween, Halloween names. I'm um, crying Flynn. I'm homicide powers. And uh, I mean, there's lots of adjectives. You birds, can... galley. Nope. Uh, oh, 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 you're, you're homicide. What were you again, Brian? Uh, crying Flynn. Crying Flynn. <laughs> and, because that's my fear powers. response, but that might be getting yeah. too, too deep. Brad Galley of a haunted ship. Bad Brad Gallows. Brad Gallows, perfect. There we go. Yep. Got it. it. Oh, we could we're free. Okay. All right. Have a have a spooky time, everyone. Yep. Enjoy our spooky seasonal theme. October 8th, 1982, Cats opens on Broadway, where it would run until September 10th, 2000, meaning New York got one good year. October 8th, 1967, insurgent leader Che Guevara and his soldiers are captured in Bolivia, but you can capture them today on posters, black felt, and bongs at your local Spencer's Gifts. And last one, October 8th, 2001, President George W. Bush announces the creation of the Office of Homeland Security, dedicated to getting the best digital images of people's genitals in the airport. All right. Uh, October 8th, 1967, guerrilla leader Che Guevara and his men are captured in Bolivia after Che was lured into a merchandising meeting to sell T-shirts to Gen Xers who know fuck all about him. (laughs) Uh, 
October 8th, 1982, Cats opens on Broadway and runs for nearly 18 years before closing on September 10th, 2000. The day after Cats closes, Andrew Lloyd Webber curses New York to regret the decision in exactly one year's time. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, man. Okay. Um, okay. Sorry, collecting myself. All right.